G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. A conversation coming over this next hour I think you will absolutely be interested in. I think it will be enlightening for you as a Christian believer when we think about the context of where we are in the history of the whole world. Uh, Look forward to a great conversation coming over this next hour. You know, ever since October the 7th, you know, that was the day there was that dreadful terror attack on Israel from the terror organization Hamas, so many Christians have been transfixed on the unfolding developments around the nation of Israel. Now, some of those developments look so much like fulfillment of Bible prophecy that many are turning attention back to, well, what is God doing with his chosen people? Well, we are back into a conversation today asking, What's so special about God and his relationship with the Jewish people? And then we have to ask, what's so special about Christians like you and I in God's overall plans and purposes? We're back today with Bible teacher, Pastor David Richards. He's back with us to reflect on how we might understand the Bible, God and his plans and purposes. Pastor David Richards, now in his 80s, converted to Christianity back in 1950. You do the sums on that. At that time, he was with the Brethren Assemblies. He served in the Apostolic Churches Australia, now known as Acts Global Churches, and for more than a decade was pastor of the Seniors Ministry at the Hillsong Church in Sydney. He is an outstanding Bible teacher, and it's always a pleasure to welcome him back to 2020. David Richards, welcome along. It's lovely to be with you again, Neil. Thank you very much. Hey, David, when we talk about God's purposes for his chosen people, and uh, we might even clarify what that all means, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and God's purposes for Christians, and I know that some listeners might be aware that, you know what, there might be some parallel purposes. Sometimes they might inter, uh, interact or cross over, but they're particularly, uh, they are parallel in some sense. We've got to come back, haven't we, to God's promises to Abraham back into the Old Testament to understand something of the way he's outworking things. So let's come back to this Abrahamic covenant that he made. Uh, what does this mean for us? Yes, it's uh, it's really it's pivotal to the whole of God's uh, plan and purpose for the human race because uh, it's part and parcel of the way he's started to do things. And we've got to remember too that God is a God of purpose. And uh, and also God is eternal. Uh, he's just not restricted to the scene of time. And it's quite amazing that um, when we go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it tells us there as Christians that God saw us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the, uh, the deal that uh, God made with Abram there in that Abrahamic covenant was uh, the first stepping stone as part of a plan that he had for the reconciliation of the human race to himself, but 
but a greater purpose than that, a heavenly purpose as well, which involves the church. So whereas we can see God hand, God's hand on the nation of Israel down through the thousands of years, we can also see that God was preparing the scene for the time when Jesus would come and initiate the purpose of the church, the body of Christ, two parallel purposes which run in parallel to each other often and often separately. So uh, Abram and his covenant with God, was it, was it was the commencement of God's outworking on the earth of that plan of redemption and reconciliation. So it takes us right back into Genesis and the thought that God has a plan for all of humanity and in all of history. That, uh, that's just such a contrast, isn't it, to what you pick up in perhaps a regular conversation with a non-Christian person who thinks that everything's random and uh, all of the future relies on mankind and how we can manage ourselves, there's a very different way of thinking that when you come back to this Genesis covenant with Abraham. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Because uh, unless we reconcile with the fact that God is the God of eternity, a lot of this doesn't make any sense. But God is the God of eternity. And, and quite interesting, in, in Isaiah 46, uh, and uh, about verse 8, I think it is, there's some amazing statements there of the, about the sovereignty of God. And God says, look, I'm God, and I know the end from the beginning, and I forecast things to be done that are not yet done. I can, do all, I can, I can call a ravenous bird from the east. I can call a man who executes my counsel from a far country. I'm God. There's none else, and I do it. And so God is uh, uh, establishing his credentials here as the one who is going to have his own way. So there is a purpose in all that God does. And so uh, it it took 2,000 years before God uh, made the covenant with uh, Abraham after the the downfall of Adam. Uh, God wasn't in a hurry. God had a plan and a purpose. And so it was that uh, when God made that covenant, it was the beginning of God starting to unfold the way he was going to reconcile everything to himself. Absolutely amazing. I'm always so humbled and impressed whenever I talk to you because I don't talk to too many other Bible teachers that have a wonderful grip on the thought of God having eternal purposes And then there are also these purposes for what he's working out in time and space. And sometimes we get confused about that and uh, we wonder about purpose. But this is something that you've done a lot of thinking about and uh, and you recognize that God's purposes are being worked out, but there's different ways to understand those. Yes, well, God has purposes that he didn't make known straight away. For instance, the church, the body of Christ was a mystery. It was not made known in the Old Testament until God made it known through the uh, Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus on that uh, remarkable day when he was confronted and uh, he began to have a mystery unfolded to him that had not been made known before. And it's all part of God's plan that God had from way back in eternity. We've got to remember that God is never caught by surprise. God doesn't have emergency committee meetings. He says, I know the end from the beginning. So way back in eternity, there was something that went, that happened, and God already had a plan and a purpose to reconcile that situation. And I believe that the original problem back in eternity was the fall of Lucifer. 
and all that that involved. And I believe that uh, as we look at God's purposes for the church, we see that there is an outworking uh, of a resolution of a problem which began way back in eternity as well. So it's not just a a matter of of Israel's situation, but it's also what God is doing secretly in in the believer, in the ordinary person who goes to church every Sunday, part of the church, the body of Christ, but it's a heavenly purpose that is yet to be made known. Wonderful. And wonderful to think about uh, we, the Christian church, uh, being a mystery that didn't come about, uh, as you say, until the Apostle Paul, that mystery begins to be revealed. So we've got these parallel movements. Uh, What God is doing through his chosen people that goes all the way back to Genesis and Abraham, and then you've got the church, and uh, let's call it an add-on, um, and a grafting is another biblical word there. Yes, but uh, right. how do you then describe, you know, God is outworking his purposes, starts with Israel, and uh, we as the church, this mystery added on. Yes, well, we've got to go cast our minds back to Genesis 1, when God said, let us make man and let the, in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. That was the will and purpose of God. Now, if God is going to be God, that's going to eventually come to pass. So God's plan and purpose for the human race was never included death in it at all. Adam was never meant to die. Death only became part of the situation because of sin. But that is not uh, deterring God as far as his will is concerned. And then we find in the book of Revelation at the end that there's a new heavens and there's a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and men in righteousness walk... Uh, uh, in relationship with God and uh, that wonderful tree of life that was given to Adam, we find that it's in the new heavens and the new earth. It's there in profusion for everybody. So God's will for a human race will come to pass. But at the same time, God was going to use the human race to extract for himself a people for a heavenly calling to fulfill a heavenly purpose that he himself knew. Let me take you back to some things that you've shared with me in earlier conversations, and I know we just need to uh, recount some of these. Uh, You've got Israel and the recipient of God's covenant promise, and you connect that to the land. And, And so when we think of then what God's purpose might be for the church, as that add-on, the mystery, that's not connected to the land. So we are, as Christians, not necessarily in the same way that the promise goes to the children of Israel, connected to the land of Israel. Mm. Well, we have the same God, but his promises to them is different to his promise to us. The promises that God made to Abraham way back there in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, uh, are part of God's plan for his people a people on the earth that he would use for his glory and for his purposes on the earth. and uh, But the church, the body of Christ, has a heavenly purpose, which is totally different, of course. And uh, I, I have mentioned to you before that when my wife and I were in Israel in 2019, we had a lovely conversation with a rabbi there, and, and he said, uh, you know, he said, you Christians, you're lovely people, but... Uh, you're all about going to heaven. He said, but, but we're not into that. He said, we're into work, making the world, the earth, a better place. And, of course, that completely lines up with 
God's revelation that he gave to Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a land to live in. I'm going to bless you with a great family. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's all about on the earth. But the purpose that God has given to the church, Paul tells us, it's a heavenly purpose. Our citizenship is in heaven. What do we think about this term, blessing? Uh, All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you've got this nation of Israel, God fulfilling his earthly purposes through Israel. You've got the church then, which is added on this great mystery revealed to Paul. And blessing in all of this, the nations of the earth, which goes beyond the nation of Israel. How do we understand this blessing, do you think? Well, the blessing was going to need somebody to bring the blessing. And that somebody was going to be Jesus. And, of course, he wasn't on the scene when Abraham made his covenant with God. Uh, But Abraham was a man of great faith. That's why he's called the father of faith. And the, the whole of the chapter 11 of Hebrews is all centered around him and his faithfulness. And so um, he, he had faith in God that God was going to accomplish what he wanted to do through him uh, as an earthly purpose. Um, but for the church, that was not made known until Jesus arrived, as, as uh, Isaiah prophesied in that wonderful prophecy. Um, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. But that didn't happen while Jesus was here. But that will happen in the millennial reign when Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom with Israel as the number one nation, as God promised to Abraham. And through that situation, all the nations of the earth will be blessed and God's will and purpose will come to pass. In fact, David Richards, why don't we take a call uh, we'll take a call from Hemi, who is in Beanley in Queensland. Hello, Hemi. Welcome along. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Hemi. What are your thoughts? Um, I had a question, if it's if it's all right. Sure. Um, there was something that you said that was interesting that um, you said earlier, Pastor, was that there are promises for, specifically for, you know, the, the people of Israel, and then there are promises for us as Christians that, you know, I guess the, the Gentiles. How do you, um, or if you have any resources or anything, how do you know, like, what's what's for us and then what's specifically for, you know, the people of Israel? Wonderful stuff, Hemi. Um, David, thoughts on, you know, what's for the people of Israel by way of promises? What's for the Christians? Yes, well, what's for the people of Israel uh, is basically uh, began to be told to us in the covenant that Abraham made with God when uh, he God said, I'm going to give you a place to live in. I want you to pack up your bags, leave where you are now, and, uh, and go to the place that I have for you, and uh, I'm going to give you a land to live in. I'm going to make you a great family, a great nation. And in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So they were the basic promises for the nation of Israel, and they still stand today, Hemi. Uh, but um, as far as the promises of God for the church, well, they weren't made known until Jesus apprehended uh, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And for three years, Jesus gave him one on one consultation about what this purpose was for the church and what it meant. And it was a totally different purpose. 
and totally different promises uh, to what were made to Abraham with regard to Israel. And as we read through the New Testament letters of the Apostle Paul, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, we see there unfolded the promises of God, for the, particularly for the church, the body of Christ. And so that's where we get our truth and our understanding of the promises of God for the church. We get them from the uh, letters of the Apostle Paul uh, that were written to us in the form of what we call the New Testament now. Hmm. Henry, anything further to add there? No, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Because like, I know like um, there's, there's one that came to mind when you were speaking earlier was Hear that scripture that says, "If my people will humble themselves, oh, if my people who call by my name will humble themselves and turn from their ways, and I will hear from heaven and heal their land." I don't know if that's the exact word for word. Yes, but I know that we use that. Like I've, we've, we've used it at church before. I've heard like like we've I've used it before or heard it before as well. Um, is that one like specifically like things like that? Is that for us as well or? Okay, so back to Second Chronicles, and uh, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. A wonderful scripture, mm. and uh, I think what Hemi is saying is, when we think of those things, uh, was that said to the Israelites, uh, God's people, the chosen people, and what does that mean for the Christian today? Is there, you know, is this connection between old and new covenant, I guess. Well, it's very, it's it's very simple, really. Um, when we read Bible texts and uh, somebody is saying something, uh, to get the context of it and the understanding of the the uh, situation that it's couched in, we have to look at who's saying it, to whom it's being said and what the context is at the time that it's being said. And those words were spoken to the nation of Israel. So uh, we just can't take those as Christians and say, well, that applies to us and that applies to what God's going to do to the land of Australia, for instance. We can't do that because God wasn't speaking to us as Gentiles. He was talking to the nation of Israel. So that's the easy way, just always, who said it? To whom is he speaking? And what was the context of it? And that just takes us to that next question, doesn't it? And I'm sure Hemi is with us here. Well, if that's what God spoke to Israel, can we, as the ones who are grafted into the vine, also hold on to those promises that were given to Israel? Yes, well, uh, the principles of them we can. But the actual actualities of the uh, the physical things that were promised to the nation of Israel uh, are different to the promises that were made to the church. And uh, as I have said before, the church is a heavenly calling, whereas the nation of Israel, all the promises made to Israel, and all that we're seeing in the world today uh, happening to, to the Jews right now is all part of what uh, God's plan and purpose is for the nation of Israel, but not for the church. The church is being called out one by one. People who hear the gospel and say yes to Jesus are part of this wonderful company of people called the church, the body of Christ. And if we want to know what the promises of God are for the church, the body of Christ, we go to Paul's letters in the New Testament. 
Henley, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open 1-800-316-316. And a couple of minutes out from news, uh, purposes for the church. Uh, One of those that springs to mind for me is that we are being built as living stones into a house uh, that will be a a reciprocal, a, a house, a home for God to live. This one of those purposes, do you think? Well, uh, we get some idea of it uh, when we go to Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and John there is caught up in the vision that he has there and uh, he sees this great company of people which are he, he couldn't count them, thousands and thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of them and, uh, and they begin to sing at one stage and they sing this song, uh, you are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll and to loose the seals thereof because you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, tribe and nation and has made us unto our God a kingdom of priests. Now that group of people with that testimony can only be the church, the body of Christ. And so we can see there that God is uh, assembling this group in heaven and God has an eternal purpose in the heavens. For the church, the body of Christ. Some callers waiting patiently. Before we come to those callers, though, David Richards, uh, let me just ask you about one of those purposes, the need for the church in the first place. I mean, God had his chosen people. Uh, What's the thought that God even needs to have this addendum, this add-on, this grafted-in group called the church? What are your thoughts here? Yes, well, one of the the clues that we have to this, uh, Neil, is in... uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 where we're reading about what God has done with regard to the church, the wonderful work that he's done for us. And it tells us there that God saw us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So before Adam was even created, God saw us in Christ. So this, of course, uh, helps us to realize that God's purpose for the church went way back before he even made Adam before God said, let's make man in our own image and our own likeness. And so there must have been something that happened way back in eternity that uh, sprung in the heart of God a desire to have a people for his name called out who would be a heavenly people. And that is our... Uh, our role, and that is our future, as we are told by the Apostle Paul. Now, you, in fact, have a very interesting take on kingdom. Uh, Sometimes, you know, we'll look at uh, that word kingdom. It's very, very prominent uh, through the Gospels and through the New Testament. Uh, But there's a connection here that you make going right back to Lucifer, who was in heaven with God. Give us an insight here, and we need to be quick because we're going to take some more calls, but your thoughts here about Lucifer and connection to the fact that there is a kingdom that God is building today. Yes, well, as I mentioned before in Isaiah 46, God said that he's God and he knows the end from the beginning and he could talk about things that were going to happen before they happened. And so God is never caught by surprise by anything that happens. Something happened back in eternity, and it was the fall of Lucifer. We're told about it in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. And this happened way back in eternity. We don't know exactly when, but it did. But it didn't catch God by surprise. Not only did Lucifer fall from grace, Jesus said, Luke 10:18. he said, I saw Lucifer, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Bang, down he went. Uh, to the area of principalities and powers. However, we're also told in uh, uh, 
in Revelation that when he was cast down, he drew a third of the angels with him. A third of the angels in heaven were cast out with him from this higher area of uh, governance in the heavens. How do we know about it? When we read his two biographies in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, we see there that he was a great created being and he was a king. He had a throne. He was also a priest. Uh, He led the worship in heaven with his great musical ability, we're told, in Ezekiel 28. And so he was cast out, and this whole realm of priests, king priests, were cast out with him. We read about it in Colossians chapter 1, where Paul talks about the area of thrones and dominions, principalities and powers. We know about principalities and powers. Paul tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's what's happening in the world today. We need to remember that as Christians. But way back in eternity, God had a plan that he knew this was going to happen, caught him not by surprise, and he also had a plan in his heart already to replace them with the people that he would call out of the human race called the church, the body of Christ, and we see them in Revelation 4 and 5 around the throne singing a song saying that they are redeemed and God has made them a kingdom of priests. Absolutely wonderful to see the church, the body of Christ, in its heavenly purpose. So a kingdom that God is building and almost as an alternative, not almost as, but as an alternative to a kingdom uh, that was going back into eternity of Lucifer being cast down with his uh, one third of all of the uh, angelic beings there and their kingdom being displaced now by a kingdom that God is building in his people. Is Part that a- of the governance of, of heaven, really. The governance of heaven. Right. Okay, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen To join in our conversation, let's take some more calls. Brett is in Western Australia. Hey, Brett, welcome along. Brett, look, I can't uh, actually pick up everything you're saying clearly. Uh, I don't know whether you move your phone there or uh, just one more little opportunity because I might not be able to take your call. Just uh, just move your phone a little. Uh, what? Say that again. Can you hear me And we'll see. Just uh, make your point and we'll see what, whether we can hear. Okay, so Israel, Israel is God's people, correct? So uh, Moses, um, Pharaoh, and tell him who Israel is. And he said, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Now, Israel is not a bloodline nation. It is a people of faith, and it always has been. And that was why Abraham was chosen, was because of his faith. And the covenant was given to Abraham of God because of the faith that he had in God. Now, we're looking at a political nation called Israel in in the world today, which are not Israel. Israel is a people of faith, um, a, a bloodline people which Christ was not even a part of because his bloodline did not come through Joseph or through Mary as we know that the blood is separate to the mother in the child. So he actually didn't take on a a, a bloodline from flesh 
from the lineage of Abraham. It was the spiritual context to the whole thing, and that's why we are to be born again. And even in Deuteronomy, the Lord said to circumcise your heart to the Israelites because their heart was far from him. He was worried about the inner being, not the, fl- not the flesh, not the bloodline. Okay, the- Brett, we, we, we've got a, an idea here uh, where you're talking through some uh, issues here about what it is that constitutes the actual people of God, the nation of Israel. And, uh, and uh, David, you might have your own thoughts on uh, the thought of not a bloodline people, uh, from Abraham and Israel today is uh, different. Uh, my uh, my own thoughts are that somehow, rather through this past two thousand years, and of course there was a great uh, diaspora of uh, those Jewish people around the world since AD seventy. Um, but there's certainly something that has passed on generation to generation. So I assume that there is a bloodline there. But what are your thoughts for Brett as he reflects on people who are a people of faith? Yes, well, Abraham Brett is, is indeed called the father of faith, and um, and uh, the great chapter in Hebrews eleven uh, correlates with him all some of the great heroes of faith from the Old Testament who were counted righteous because of their faith. But when it comes to who are the the, the people of Israel um, today, um, when we read the uh, in Ezekiel thirty six thirty seven, uh, and particularly in Ezekiel thirty seven where uh, uh, Ezekiel is presented with the, the valley of dry bones and uh, they come back to life and they stand up a great army and, and God says, this is the whole house of Israel. Take two sticks, put them together, one for the house of Judah, and one for the house of Israel. Put them together and they shall be one in your hand so that the nation that comes back now, I believe, is that, that God's people, the nation of Israel. And... Um, uh, I, uh, I I can't quite see any other um, explanation for the situation other than what Ezekiel 37 says. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. You might have a question or a contribution to our conversation. Let's take another call. Victor is on the Central Coast in New South Wales. Hey, Victor, welcome along. Uh, yeah, hi. Um, it might be more of an observation with a, a, a question attached, but um, when you said the purpose for the New Testament believers is a heavenly purpose, um, I'd probably say that's more like a destination because it doesn't really talk about what our purpose will be so much in heaven, but our purpose here is like the Great Commission, um, to make disciples and try and take as many people with us sort of thing. So does that, does that sort of make sense? Fabulous stuff, Victor. Yes, uh, around this Great Commission as part of God's purpose here, David. Yes, definitely. Uh, you've, you've got it right there, brother. Our our job, our only job is to preach the gospel, the gospel of the grace of God. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And good old John 3.16, the gospel in a nutshell. And that's the job of the church today. We can't get sidetracked, uh, sidetracked into other issues. We need to just preach the gospel because that's the only thing that counts is accepting Christ because of what he did on the cross to make us part of this church, the body of Christ. And isn't it interesting, and while we've got Victor here, there's a certain sense in which some will say it's only the proclamation of that gospel, but of course uh, at the end of Matthew there, the Great Commission, 
uh, is that it's going into all the world and preaching the gospel and making disciples of all nations uh, that actually takes us into this realm of participating in a society and shaping a society. Is that something that, that is part of the gospel? Yes, it is. It is part of the gospel. But the, the, the main part of the gospel is this, that uh, as John succinctly tells us in his letter, uh, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, the sons of God. And sons of God is a term that is, uh, only refers to people who are made by God directly. Adam was called the son of God. Everybody else is called the son of man. Even Jesus took upon himself the term the son of man when he was born of Bethlehem, as we remember at this time of the year. But behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called to be sons of God. And so that God, by us accepting the simple principles of the gospel that Jesus died for us, he brings us not only into discipleship, which is under discipline, but he brings us into sonship, which is actually relationship with God as sons of the living God. Absolutely amazing, Victor. Victor, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Alex is in Melbourne. Hello, Alex. Welcome along. Oh, hello there. Yes, I heard before uh, the meaning of the church. Well, um, God has uh, testified to his love to man. He doesn't want anyone to... uh, to die and so he's testified of his love that he will provide and so he has provided in the new testament and and so uh that's the meaning of the church and and he gives power to the church in that testimony even though he has ascended up to heaven through the holy spirit and and now uh we read in uh, 321 revelations um that uh before the uh, these people before the the um, rapture, they will the ones that are raptured, they will be in or on his throne, and then uh, in seven uh, chapter seven verse nine uh, of Revelations, there's a multitude of people there, and uh, but they come out of the tribulation, the great tribulation. They will be before the throne. So there's a difference there of faith and uh, and receiving the Lord in well, in faith. And so there's no difference as far as nation goes. Whoever loves or whoever has faith in God, he is a true Israelite. And so we can read that many times in the Bible. And so there's no di- differentiation. So uh, God's love is for everyone. Good thoughts there, Alex. A response from David Richards? Yes, well, God is a God of love, and for, as John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And every purpose of God that needs to be accomplished as far as the human race is concerned, whether it's with regard to the nation of Israel or whether it's regard to the church, the body of Christ, all of it has been achieved by Jesus becoming into the world and taking upon himself my sin and your sin and he is the one the factor that's made all of the difference and for that we give god thanks alex thank you so much for your call 1-800-316-316 still time to get a call in if you have a question or an insight to offer let me come to something quite controversial here david richards and for your thoughts because if you've got 
the uh, people of God, the nation of Israel, and you've got uh, the extra ones who are the revealed mystery, the church. Uh, Of course, the Israelites came first. Uh, Then you've got the church that's grafted into the vine. I think that's the way that we would understand how the church fits in an interactive sense with the nation of Israel. But there are some, and things changed since 1948 when the nation of Israel was revived as a nation. Because up until then, even for uh, well over a thousand years, there are those who thought somehow or other that the Christian church had replaced Israel as God's chosen people. How do you understand that thought biblically um, surround the, the, the idea of a replacement uh, theology. What are your thoughts here? Well, if the church replaced Israel in the purposes of God, that would mean that God had gone back on his word that he made to Abraham in the first place. And that would make out God to be untruthful and uh, a liar, for goodness sake. And uh, that's just unconscionable. Uh, the promises that God made to Abraham, he will fulfill. Uh, God said, look, as long as the sun and the moon and the stars are there, the nation of Israel is going to be there and they'll be my people and I will be their God. Uh, but apart from all that, God said, but there's something special that I'm going to do and I'm not going to tell you about it just yet. But when the time came, the Apostle Paul was a, was apprehended by Jesus on that road to Damascus and uh, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament back to front. He knew all about Isaiah 53. But suddenly Jesus came to him and revealed himself and he saw what the mystery was that Jesus began to tell him, this is what I've got to do now, something special. And it's never been made known before. But now, Paul, you're going to be the one and you're going to go through a whole lot of suffering and problems for it. But it's my will and my purpose and you're the man to do it, and he did it. Praise the Lord. So we can come back to what we started talking about earlier, this covenant that God made with Abraham, and uh, you can read all about the cutting of the covenant and God uh, with a smoking, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, going in between the, the cut-up animals. And so this was, God went to a great effort Yes. Uh, to show yes, that he, he would never go back on his no, word, no. that the people of Israel are going to continue to be his chosen people, uh, even though there's been a diaspora around the world. But now they're back in the promised land, and uh, they're there because God has brought them back there. Let me ask you about this issue of blessing again, because along with blessing of God's chosen people, and now I'm asking you your, your views here about the church, and with those who are outside the church and their treatment of Israel too. But you've got this blessing that comes on those who bless Israel, and you've also got cursing that comes upon those who curse Israel. There's a little bit of a warning there, isn't there? Yes, well, of course, Jesus told us about this in his great Olivet Discourse in uh, Matthew 24, 5, Luke 21. He talked about uh, Israel being trampled down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled and uh, that times of the Gentiles will be when at the end of the tribulation period, we're told about, that uh, a time will come when uh, Christ will return and uh, he will set himself up as king over the nation of Israel and his promises to Israel will be fulfilled there and then. And uh, so that's 
all made clear by Jesus. And he, he said that this, these times of difficulty are going to come. And this is exactly what we're seeing in the Middle East right now. But in it all, God is still having his purpose and his way. And as I said before, God said, as long as the sun, moon and stars are there, Israel will be there. And Israel will come through this situation now. It will be with loss and it will be with great damage and great difficulty, but they'll come through it. And eventually Christ will return at the end of the tribulation to them and they will be reconciled. And it says that they will see the marks in his hands and they'll say, where did you get those marks in your hands? And he'll say, these are the marks that I received in the house of my friends. And suddenly their eyes will be opened. They will realize that the one that they crucified back 2,000 years ago was in fact their Messiah. And there shall be great weeping and mourning for what they have done. But because of that work of Christ on the cross, you and I can be saved today by the grace of God. And that is wonderful. Time's short. And as we get into a conversation that talks about the end of days, the eschatological purposes of God, um, we might be thinking, uh, is it the same for Israel and for this mystery revealed as the Christian church? Uh, The millennium, this thought of millennium, where does that fit into this? Is this a way we can probably make a little bit of sense about what's coming so far as God's purposes? Yes, well, we can see what's happening in the world today is... uh has all been made known to us in Scripture. And uh, we look at the Old Testament prophecies in Ezekiel and Zechariah, Joel, um, various Micah, the Old Testament prophets, all prophesied about what was going to happen to Israel in the last days. And we have seen this come to pass. The very fact that there is an Israel now means that God has got a nation there that is now he's built again, and uh, it's time for him to resume his relationship with the nation of Israel which means that his dealings with the church of the body of Christ have to finish. And that will happen at the rapture, of course. And uh, that's what we're looking to for at the moment. And just to prolong this conversation, because no doubt there's so many questions that listeners might have, when we hear about this thought of what's called a rapture, is it that the the church is the subject of the rapture, but the Jewish people of God are not? Uh, that uh, the promise to the people of Israel is about the land and therefore uh, what is happening in the world means that the church will be taken out. Uh, any thoughts here? Just I mean, we only got a moment or two. But, yes, uh, well, the promises of God to Israel were the land, the seed and the blessing. The promises of God to the church are totally different. Our promise is that we should be in heaven with Christ. As Paul tells us in very clearly in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven from which we look to the save for the Saviour, who will come and change this vile body and give us a body like unto his body of glory. Philippians 3.14, Paul tells us, uh, forgetting all those things that are behind, all the problems that have happened, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. That can be interpreted as the on-the-top calling of God in Christ Jesus, a heavenly calling by the grace of God. Absolutely marvellous. Well, absolute privilege getting those insights through this hour. And uh, just a reminder to listeners, you can hear these sorts of conversations again on a podcast. And this one you'll be able to find on our 2020 podcast page or on the Vision app. You'll be able to find it a little later on this afternoon. It's Pastor David Richards that we've been talking about. And uh, what clarity. I know you'll be able to hear that clarity around what do we do when we talk about these things and we come back to God's Word, the Bible. 
and we look for his revelation. And as you can hear, uh, Pastor David Richards, just a wealth of knowledge and able to play that Bible like a skilled musician. Uh, Wonderful to be able to come around those things. Uh, David Richards, uh, my encouragement to you, I know that you've got a book that you've written a lot of these things in, and I know uh, that it's not published yet. And uh, I just encourage you because uh, you never know. Time is short, and there will be a lot of listeners who'd like to get a hold of your thoughts, no doubt. Uh, David Richards, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us. And uh, let me just say for listeners, I don't have a website that I can point you to to be in connection with Pastor David Richards. Uh, but if you uh, needed to be in connection with him, you can get a message to me and I'll pass on his details. But David, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and heart with us today on 2020. Thank you so much for having me, Neil. And uh, God bless you and the listeners and Merry Christmas to you all. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.